with us this morning and uh, visiting here today. Let me just uh, share a couple of things with you that are happening that we need to kind of remind you about. Um, the first is this. We have uh, a summer camp, a day program that's happening right here in Milton on Wednesdays, uh, one from 9 until 11, and uh, that's happening. That one is happening over right here in the parking lot. And uh, then in the afternoon, we have a program that goes on over on uh, Bronte Street at one of the cooperative housing units there. And so the, you can pick up one of these flyers at the back if you, uh, or you, you want your kids to be involved or you know neighbor kids that you'd like to come and be a part of that. Our summer student interns are looking after these programs. They're doing a fantastic job. And so we just wanted to remind you of that today. Also, I uh, want to let you know about a survey, a special survey that we're asking everyone to do uh, with regard to our community life groups. And uh, if you would like to help us with that survey, please go out uh, to our Facebook page. And uh, on the Facebook page there, you can find uh, a link to the survey and it'll take you two minutes. I promise it won't take you any more than two minutes. I, I mean, unless you think a lot about your answers and are a little more deliberate than me, but it took me about two. And uh, so uh, we encourage you to take care of that today, and we would appreciate you doing that so very much. All right. Good sounds, aren't they? They're good sounds. Uh, let's uh, turn in our Bibles today. We want to uh, look at the Scripture this morning. We're going to be talking a little bit about grace. My title is Grace. Who's she? And uh, we want to just dive into this just a little bit uh, this morning. Interestingly enough, um, we've already heard the message in, in song format, and, uh, and I had nothing to do with that. Uh, God orchestrated all of that this week, so uh, I think that's fantastic. But we're going to look together at, at this word grace for a little bit. And uh, if you don't have a Bible today, we'd love to uh, be able to provide you with one. If you need a Bible, just slip your hand up nice and high. One of our ushers will come and bring you a Bible this morning. Yeah, we have a couple here, and uh, just just uh, give him a second, and then maybe slip your hands up again so he remembers where you're at. If anybody else needs a Bible, don't be afraid to uh, to put your hand up and ask. We'll uh, have you take your sermon notes out, those paper sermon notes that are in your bulletin, or if you're one of the uh, people that are all on electronic devices, you can find us on the Uversion app and uh, just search the live event there. It should pop right up for you, and uh, let's follow along uh, this morning. Many of us uh, you know, we get to a place in sort of in our lives and in our Christian faith and, and as part of the church, the community of faith, that we start to talk uh, kind of a language all our own. And uh, just to kind of set up a little bit about what I want to talk about with regard to grace, I'm going to have you watch this humorous little sketch, and uh, then we'll be right back. Bless his heart. I think he's backsliding. I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but... In moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. I've been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station is the fish? 104.3, the fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you'd give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. Echo that. Just really like to echo... Tyler's prayer, Father. I just, I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group? Community group? Access group? Accountability group? Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. 
He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's seeker. Don't they do seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's just not enough meat, you know? Are they non-to-non? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're going to have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. Been struggling with that. So I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. I need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart, though, bro. Will you hold me accountable to that? <laughs> now, I expected a little more laughter, but sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? Uh, so imagine being someone outside of our community and listening to some of those conversations. And uh, that's kind of the, the uh, thought I wanted to, to sort of leave in our minds with that video this morning. Many of us, we see the humor in that because we can see, we can hear ourselves or maybe someone we know saying some of those things. Church culture really has crafted a language all its own, hasn't it? And we need uh, sometimes to consider that and to think about what that sounds like to the person outside of, of our community. Imagine how ridiculous some of that would seem. And so, you know, if someone's trying to find their way to God and hearing all of this, what to them would be mumbo jumbo, right? And uh, so, so I want to just think about that. One of the challenges we face in helping people find their way back to God is just that, the language barrier. And I'm not talking about, you know, English or Spanish or French. I'm talking about Christianese, this other language that we often speak. And so there's some other words that, uh, you know, weren't covered in the video, some more kind of old theological words that we, that we like to use in, in the community of faith, but that really don't mean a whole lot to anybody else. Words like sanctification and, you know, saved and lost and sin, born again, justification, righteousness, holiness, debauchery. I mean, I could go on and on. The average person who has no knowledge of God or of the church, hears those words and is left wondering, what in the world are they talking about anyway? And so the great challenge of helping people find their way back to God is doing it in a way that is relevant to the people in, in our culture that we live in. Don't misunderstand me, okay? I don't think that we should get rid of all those words. I don't think that those words are bad words. I think the words themselves are important. And once understood... Those words can carry a much deeper and stronger meaning than almost any other word that we could use to try and explain those specific thoughts. But when you're sharing the good news of Jesus with someone, for the very first time, I wouldn't suggest an opening line like, hey, buddy, you're lost in your sin and debauchery and you need to get saved and let God sanctify you so that you can be justified and live a righteous and holy life by the grace of God. Not a great opening line, okay? So there's one other word that I didn't use in my list, and that's the word grace. And grace is one of those words with multiple meanings in our society, in our world. And when you talk to the average person about grace, their response might be something like my title, Grace. Who's she? Uh, you know, that's Chris's mom, Chris Drummond's mom. That's who Grace is. Um, now, Grace is not only a female name, it also has many other definitions. And I looked some of them up this week, and here are just a few. Grace is the quality of being attractive, especially in movement, manner, or design. Uh, it is elegance of manner. 
like he had the grace to apologize, for example. Uh, Grace is also favor or goodwill. It can be a delay or postponement granted as favor, not as a right. You know how you get grace when you're handing in that paper, not on time. That, that's, that, that can be grace as well. A short prayer of thanks before or after a meal. We, we, we call that grace. But then it's also, and most importantly, I believe this morning, it is God's loving mercy towards mankind. And it's that that I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about today. Because once we understand the concept of grace, it doesn't matter what we are. It doesn't matter what we've done or where we've been or what we haven't done. Grace means that every single one of us are accepted by God. And so I'm asking you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And I want to look at a passage here from uh, the writing of Paul. And we've already heard a little bit of Paul's writing this morning. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, uh, Paul writes, and here's what he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in time, in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What a great passage from uh, the Word of God today. And this is the Apostle Paul. He's speaking to Timothy, his son, his protege in the faith. And he's sharing with Timothy some reflections on his own life, reflections about God, about God's faithfulness, reflections about the circumstances of his life and the events that had brought him to this point. And in verse 14, he brings this concept of grace into the conversation. Not grace, the girl who works at the bank up the street, not grace, the prayer said before mealtimes, not even the quality of being attractive or, or, or an elegance of manner, but, but grace, God's loving mercy toward mankind. His unmerited favor, sometimes we say. Or uh, if, you, if you like acronyms, this is a good one. God's riches at Christ's expense. My favorite definition of grace, though, is a simple one, but I, I believe it's very profound. Grace is, is something that we need, but that we don't deserve. Something we need, but don't deserve. And this concept is found in the fact that that humanity, the descendants of Adam, was in a general state of disobedience to God, and therefore humanity was also separated from God. That disobedience or that sin originated with Adam and Eve in the garden. And although God had chosen a people and given them a a system of sacrifice to try and, and deal with sin, to cover sin, it was necessary that Jesus would come, God's only Son, to be the, the, the sacrificial lamb who would give his life once and for all for all of mankind. That's how we understand grace, that Jesus took our place, that he, he gave his life so that we would not have to give our own because, because in order for God to be satisfied, in order for his justice to be satisfied, someone's life, some sacrifice had to be made for sin. And Jesus did that for us once and for all. And because of that, we no longer have to face the consequences of our disobedience because of grace. 
Paul was someone who understood this in a very, very personal way. And so I want to just share four things that we can understand about grace from this passage today. And the first thing is this, and that is the point of grace. What is the point of grace? Well, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 13, we read it together. Paul says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Mercy is is the point of grace. Here is a trustworthy saying, it says in verse 15, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came. Why did he come? He came into the world to save sinners. That is the point of grace. The point of grace has to be this. Everyone needs mercy. Everyone needs mercy. There's not one person in this room who would make it to heaven if it were not for the mercy of God. The very fact that we are granted forgiveness of our sins, that we're given salvation and allowed entrance into heaven, even though we don't deserve it, underlines this point of grace that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, those who are disobedient to God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and 23. It says there is none righteous. There is no one who is righteous, not one person, Romans 3 and verse 10. And it also says that all of us have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of God's best for us, God's expectation. And so if the wages of sin is death, why should you and I be able to receive grace? The rest of that verse says it this way, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is only because of the gift of God's grace that you and I can receive his grace today. And if we were honest with ourselves and with our consciences, we would, be, uh, we would have to say and agree that we are all unworthy to receive God's mercy. There is not one of us who, because of anything that we have done, could receive God's mercy. And that really is the point, isn't it? We all need mercy. I don't know if if, uh, some of you might remember a worship leader whose name was Ron Canole. He was a big black dude and uh, he could really sing. And uh, he tells a story about about, uh, how his mother loved to sing the old hymns when he was a child. And uh, being kids, and you got to imagine, you know, this, this black family, being kids, they would ask lots of questions. And one day when his mother was singing, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, It Saved a Wretch Like Me, Ron interrupted her and he said, What's a wretch, Mama? Are you a wretch, Mama? And her reply was simply, Shut up and sing, boy. Shut up and sing. The truth is today, even the most dignified people here, the ones with the nicest clothes and and dresses and the ones driving the nicest cars, the ones with the biggest houses and the largest bank accounts, all of us are wretches except that God has shown his immeasurable favor to us and has granted us his grace. Song we love to sing, the words say, everyone needs compassion, the kindness of a savior. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, a love that's never failing the hope of nations. The the point of grace is this. We all need it. We all need it. Secondly, from this text, we can understand the power of grace. The power of grace. Verse 13, look at it again. Paul says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, even though I did those things, I was shown mercy. That's the power of grace. Verse 15 Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, Paul says. 
It is grace. It is God's unmerited favor that saves us all. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we heard it read earlier this morning. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. There it is again, God's gift of grace, not by works, so that no one can boast. The power of grace is the power of God himself at work in us. And there is nothing that we can do, nothing that, that you and I can do. There are no works that can, that can save us. There's nothing we can fail to do that changes the fact that God's gift of salvation is ours for the taking through faith. Paul was helping us to understand the scope of what it was that God had done in his life. Look at the characteristics of Paul's life before he surrendered it to Jesus Christ. Not good things to list on a resume if you're applying for an apostle's position, okay? He was a blasphemer, it says. He was a a persecutor. He was a violent man. I cannot imagine that too many churches would clamor after him as their pastor, seeing those things listed on his resume. And Paul wasn't just he wasn't just saying those things either. He wasn't just, you know, goofing around or blowing smoke. He was, he was being serious. He wasn't just, you know, building his testimony up to make it seem more exciting. You've probably heard some people do that. No, he was serious. In Acts chapter 7, when Stephen was martyred, when he was murdered, the mob, they laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, who would later become Paul. And here's what it says in chapter 8 after Stephen had been killed by that mob. It says, And Saul approved of their killing him. And on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women, and he put them in prison. Acts 9 goes on to record Saul breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples and asking the high priests for permission to throw them all into prison. Paul wasn't just kidding when he said he was the worst. He had been the arch enemy of the church and of Jesus. And the statement he makes underlines for us the power of God's grace when he says, even though, even though I did all those things, I was shown mercy. Even though I did all those things, I was shown mercy. John wrote, For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The power, the power in that statement is in the whosoever, I believe. That whoever believes in Him. And that that kind of takes takes the the gloves off doesn't it it kind of it makes us have to think about the people that that we don't like very much in our society the people that that we think are, are so far from god that they're probably not even redeemable oh come on i know you think that sometimes about certain people i do but john wrote whoever believes whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life that's the power of grace, the whosoever. The power is in the whosoever. The invitation is to all who will believe with no strings attached. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or haven't done. God's grace is powerful enough to reach you where you're at. The point of grace, the power of grace, and then I want you to see the portrait of grace this morning. And the portrait of grace that we have painted for us today is the Apostle Paul. 
We've been talking a little bit about this already. Look at verse 14. He says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And if we look at Paul, the great apostle, and we read his story, we can see it like a beautiful portrait being painted. This man who was a persecutor and a violent man and a blasphemer had a a, a life-changing experience on the road to Damascus with none other than Jesus Christ himself. And once he met Jesus, once he met Jesus, the picture of his life began to change. The brushstrokes began to get filled in a little fuller. And because of what Jesus had done in his life, he became the missionary to all the then known world. Quite different from the violent, murderous persecutor that we talked about a few moments ago. Now he's a church planter. He's a missionary. He is writing instructions to the church leaders under his care. This is the ultimate portrait of grace. The transformation that happens through the good news of Jesus Christ the good news of the gospel and Paul's story. And stories just like his have been told and retold down through the centuries. The ultimate portrait of grace is a life transformed by God for his glory. Don't you think? The ultimate portrait of grace is a life transformed by God for his glory. I think about King David in Psalm 51. And you know King David's story. He was a great king of Israel, but, but he was not, uh, you know, above reproach. One day he saw a woman bathing on a rooftop next door. And uh, King David, he messed up. He sent for her. He slept with her. She became pregnant. He had to kill her husband in order to cover it all up because, because nothing else seemed to be working. And so King David now, after all of this sin, this really, really bad stuff that he had gotten himself involved in, came face to face with, with the prophet of God who said to him, you know, you're the man, you're the one that, that God is talking about in this story. And David had to repent. But you know what? David in Psalm 51, he repents. He says, you know, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in, within me and wash me, and cleanse me. And, and he, he, he repents before God and he receives way back in the Old Testament, He receives God's grace, even before Jesus. He receives God's grace. Later on, David will become known as a man after God's own heart because that's the portrait of grace. It's a a life, many times a ruined life, transformed by the power of God. I think of, of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. This illustrative story that Jesus uses about about what it really means to be lost and away from God and how we have all the benefits of the Father when we are at home and under His care, but but we want to go our own way. Prodigal Son is a fantastic story. And this this young man says, "I, I want my inheritance now. I want it early. And so he, the Father who loves him gives him the money and he, he lets him go. And he goes off and he lives uh, in what is, uh, you know, the Bible describes as riotous living. He just, he parties hard. And he spends all of his money and he ends up, he ends up working in a, in a pig pen, making sure that the pigs get what they need to eat. And because he's so hungry, he's eating the husks of the pigs. And you know the story. He finally comes to his senses. He goes back to the father. And he's thinking in his mind, maybe, just maybe, I can be a servant in my father's household. And he gets to the end of the road and his father, the Bible says his father sees him And he doesn't wait for him to come, but the father 
runs toward the son. And he opens up his arms and he embraces him back into the family. Folks, that's the portrait of grace. That God, in spite of all of our yuckiness, wants us to be a part of his family. And he opens his arms and he says, come on in. That is the ultimate portrait of grace. So the point of grace, the power of grace, the portrait of grace is a ruined life that is transformed by God for his glory. And then lastly, I want to talk to you about the purpose of grace. It seems obvious, I know. But there is a twofold purpose here. Of course, grace exists so that we can come back into fellowship with God the Father. That's what grace is about. For that very reason, Paul says in verse 16, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. The purpose of grace is twofold. For God's gift is so that we can be saved. That's the obvious part. For by grace are you saved through faith. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul writes. But the second part of grace is this. We have been shown grace so that others will see what God has done for us and in us and through us and will believe the same Jesus that we believe in and ultimately receive God's grace themselves and receive eternal life. That's why we've been given grace. Paul says, it's because for this very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Do you see what Paul's saying here? That you and I, we are God's illustrations of grace to a world that needs to know him. To people who are, who are just finding their way back to God, we are his illustrations of grace. Your life, by virtue of God's grace at work in you, is a testimony to others of his saving and keeping power. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, and here's what he says. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. We are God's illustrations of grace. John Newton, who wrote that hymn that we sang just a little while ago, was a military deserter. He was a slave trader and a common felon, but the grace of God reached even John Newton. And after giving his life to Christ, he wrote those famous words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. In his old age, he said this, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. His tombstone reads, John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slavers in Africa, was, by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. John Newton was like Paul the Apostle. He was just another illustration of God's grace. The point of grace is that everyone needs mercy. The power of grace is that anybody can receive it, whosoever Whosoever will may come, whosoever will believe will have eternal life. The portrait of grace is a life transformed by the power of God for his glory. And the purpose of grace, 
It's for our salvation, yes. But it is also so that others will see the power of God at work in our lives and will believe for themselves and receive eternal life. Amen? Can we pray? Father, thank you. Lord, we thank you for grace. God, we thank you for the the incredible story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that you sent your your one and only son to be the the supreme once and for all sacrifice for all of our sin. And Lord, for, for all that you've done in us, we are so truly grateful and so thankful. Spirit of God, I just pray, I pray that if there is anyone in this room today who's never accepted your grace, who's never received you into their heart and into their life through Jesus Christ, through his crucifixion and his resurrection, that God, you would just by your Holy Spirit speak to those hearts today. And God, for the rest of us, I pray that you would stir, just stir in our own hearts, God, the fact that we are your illustrations of grace. And God, help us to ask that all-important question. Can people see, can other people see the grace of God at work in our lives? Father, I just pray these things in Jesus' name. And just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a few moments this morning, I want to read to you the words of a song from a modern theologian. His name is Bono. And just just focus on these words. Grace. She takes the blame. She covers the shame. Removes the stain. It could be her name. Grace, it's the name for a girl, but it's also a thought that changed the world. And when she walks on the street, you can hear the strings because Grace finds goodness in everything. Grace, she's got the walk, not on a ramp or on chalk. She's got the time to talk. She travels outside of karma. When she goes to work, you can hear her strings because Grace finds beauty in everything. Grace, she carries a word on her hips. No champagne flute for her lips. No twirls or skips between her fingertips. She carries a pearl in perfect condition. What once was hurt, what once was friction, what left a mark, no longer stings because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. Grace makes beauty out of ugly things. Really, there's just two questions I want to ask you today while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. When when Bono's singing about grace, he's talking about God. It's God who makes beauty out of ugly things. It's it's His grace who, who does all of those things that we just heard about. What once was hurt, what once was friction, what left a mark, no longer stings because of grace. And the first question is this. Have you personally experienced and received God's grace? Have you said yes to Jesus Christ? to invite him to come and to be a part of your life. And if you haven't yet today, I want to give you that opportunity because God is here and and Jesus wants to come into your heart and into your life. He just needs an invitation. And so if, if you're here today and you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that because of his death, because he rose again, that you can have forgiveness and eternal life, 
If that's you this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus today, I invite you just to slip your hand up really quickly. No one's looking around. This is just between you and God and me. I just want to pray for you today. Is there anybody at all? And you say, I need to make that choice this morning. I need to accept Jesus Christ into my heart and life. I'm just going to wait for a moment. Is there anyone? Well, the second question is this. If you've already accepted Jesus Christ, if you have experienced God's grace, the question I want us all to reflect on, and you don't need to raise your hand or answer me or tell me any details, but, but just before God today, we need to all ask ourselves, do others see the power of God's grace at work in my life? Do others see the power of God's grace at work in my life so that they can they can be drawn to experience it for themselves? That really is the question today. Father God, thank you for your grace. Lord, we all love to experience your grace personally. But God, I pray today that as we go from this place and just think about all that you have done for us, think about the power of your grace and about the picture of of what can happen through grace, about how a life can be changed and transformed. God, sometimes we forget. We forget about what life was like before you. And we get into our Christian mode. God, I pray that you'll remind each of us this morning about our own transformation story, about all that you have done in our lives personally, about the way that we were before we met you. And God, that you will, you will motivate us through that today. God, to live lives that express your grace in the world today, that God live lives that reach out to those who are around us. And God, tell the story of grace through our actions, through our words, through our love, and through our deeds. I pray, oh God, today that you would remind us of that this morning. And Father, help us to reflect on that in these days to come. Lord, we just ask these things in the name of Jesus, who has saved us. Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, who is our Redeemer, who is our healer and our friend. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And we thank you for your grace this morning. Amen. Amen.